welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Home Efficiency. Hello, clean tech enthusiasts. My name is Scott Cooney, and my company has done energy and water efficiency retrofits for more than 13,000 homes and small businesses, saving our customers more than $3 million a year on their electric and water bills, while also reducing more than 11 million pounds of carbon pollution per year. Would you like to start offering this type of service in your community and do it for a living, make money? You can. Check out homeefficiency.com for more info. We do flat fee consulting to help you get started with our model, training you, giving the inventory, tools, software, and support you'll need. No royalties, no hidden fees, no sneaky add-ons. You can just get started. Ready to work with your hands and make a difference every day? Do it. Go to homeefficiency.com. Check out. We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. And today we're talking with Jose Pontes and Victor Earl. Earl or Erle? I should know. <laughs> We've had just so many conferences. Uh, from EV Volumes, based in Portugal and Sweden. We're going to talk about EV charging in Europe. EV sales and market share, uh, but we're going to start off with Volkswagen Power Day since we just watched that presentation, just news just broke, and we'll get your hot take on that. Uh, Victor, do you want to start us off and, and also remind me how to pronounce your last name? I should know that. So it's uh, Victor Irle. Irle, okay. I started to come back to him. It's close okay. enough. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, um, what you, you were saying that you felt a little bit of deja vu. Yeah, from the Volkswagen Power Day. Yeah, uh, indeed, there was a little bit of deja vu. Uh, but I, I guess they are just proving that Tesla with their battery, they are thinking in the correct way because they show at least similar thinking uh, behind what they want to do. But I also had the feeling that the Volkswagen presentation was mainly focusing on Europe. So the targets they did was mainly about Europe and China. They did not um, announce any sales target for globally, uh, what they are planning. So uh, uh, all these ambitious targets with percentage uh, electric vehicles and CO2 friendly, it was mainly relating to Europe. And uh, it, they did not talk much about their uh, global EV shares. Yeah, and the 250 gigawatt hour battery production capacity by 2030, I think that's just on on the European continent, just 240 gigawatt hours Europe. from six yeah. battery factories in Europe, which I think some of our, we already got some, <laughs> let's not go down that road, but some Tesla fanboys are already, already attacking it as weak and uh, lame and that kind of thing. And uh, I would assume people are passing over the fact that this is 240 gigawatt hours for Europe alone, which is a lot, I think. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. generous. It, 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 it's about Europe alone, and uh, um, they did not show much uh, that that this is applying to the whole world. It was mainly about Europe, um, where, where I guess the the targets are the toughest as well, in order to um, avoid fees and. Yeah, it's pretty clear, like you have to do something, a certain amount in Europe uh, in order to not get fined. So it's easier to sort of have a clear 
target and plan in some ways. Jose, what are your initial thoughts on on any of these? You know, I, I wrote an article seven highlights basically of the of the presentation. Any of those you want to pick out and talk about? Uh, interestingly, uh, the part about Europe, it's like Victor said, it reminded me a little bit of what we saw a few years back with Tesla, but only focused in uh, Europe. But what, we, what would be interesting is to see a Tesla power day regarding China. Because let's not forget that Volkswagen is the biggest brand in China. So if they want to keep being the biggest brand in China, they need another six gigafactories in China alone. You mean a Volkswagen battery day or power day in China? Yeah, Tesla, so maybe next like... year, some Volkswagen power mm -hmm. day China. That yeah, it's interesting. Also interesting. Yeah, it seems like we don't really get presentations about China, even though so many announcements are basically centered around China. It's an interesting point. Yeah, and let's not forget that this year alone, two uh, factories in China will start to do the ID series. So there will be factories needed to provide batteries for those two ID fact, uh, batteries. So I would imagine China would need something similar from Volkswagen for the brand to keep on being the biggest brand in China. I've got a segue to our main topic, but first, just wrap up. Do you have any any thoughts on the um, the battery cell or battery production plans, the unified cell? Uh, anything like any any thoughts on these matters? I think they are doing the correct approach. Uh, LFP for the lower segment of the market, a little bit like Tesla, should I say. So uh, they are following the same path. Uh, and there's always the mention for solid state, but you never know when they are going to arrive. Yeah, I, I agree with you, say, and uh, yeah, solid state is a nice mention, but it, it always pops up every now and then uh, in media, but it always seems to be uh, on the horizon of 10 years away. But it's, yeah. it's certainly the end game like they, like they uh, mentioned as well. Well, notably, they will use a different cell format than Tesla. They won't use these uh, structural battery packs. They will, they will use the MEB platform and they would use the, the, the pouch format uh, cells in it. And it was also nice they showed kind of a, how, how they were stacking money on top of each other on the short video and uh, was looking at that for how to stack the cell materials together. Jose, you, had, you were going to chime in? Uh, no, I agree with Victor. Even with similar uh, paths like Tesla, they are trying to differentiate in a few different items. I thought it was funny they mentioned, um, not, not sure the exact wording wording now, but it was, uh, they mentioned that this sort of, the unified cell sort of leads into, oh, the quote is, the new prismatic unified cell also offers the best conditions for the transition to the solid state cell. So they sort of, they, they make it out to be like an ideal transition cell, which is interesting. And then they call that the next quantum leap in battery technology. Um, so I don't know, it's, 
not sure exactly what that means, but they're, they seem to imply like it'll be a similar shape or something that would, you know, it'd be easily, you know, they would, they would be able to, you know, basically get rid of it, drop it and switch to, to the other, to the solid state batteries. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know what will be the optimal cell shape for solid state batteries. I guess, uh, I guess it would, the future will, will prove that. Do you have any other thoughts on what they mean by like an, being an ideal transition cell, basically? No. No. <laughs> All right. So this, so the segue was they also they talked uh, they they mentioned charging a little bit. Um, focus again, like you said, on Europe, but they they mentioned China and the and North America, and they mentioned seventeen thousand fast charging points they have planned to for China by twenty twenty five compared to 3,500 for North America by the end of this year. So it's not a direct comparison, but, but that's, a, that's a pretty significant focus on ramping up EV fast charging in China. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about what that means or, or your thoughts on that? Well, I, I noted they, they swapped around a little bit with uh, kind of comparing apples and pears a little bit with uh, some in some cases saying charging points and in other charging stations and other instances they use the word locations and all these things are three different things where so yeah so going off of going off of yeah. the press release they only use charge points I, I was points. also i was also attentive to that because i wasn't i they might have just they might just say station when they mean, mean points and i don't know but it is confusing yeah yeah, yeah but point essentially means one cable right and uh, one station means one hardware and one location means one GPS location where you can have multiple hardwares and multiple cables. So uh, I guess for, for EV adoption, and if you want to look at um, where you want to go in a country, the number of locations matters the most, in my opinion. Like I want to see how many locations on a map I have my Electrify America chargers on to go to. Um, but uh, I should also point out that at the given time of uh, EV adoption, you will need several charging points in one uh, charging station, or else you will have queues and you will have to wait an hour or more just to charge your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, of course. Um, it's a very important metric that how many charging parking spaces do you have at each location? Um, but that's just data. I guess it's easier to build out once you have the station and all the electricity is there. It's just to put another charger next to it. Um, I get because you have the permit to have your charging station there, and you you essentially own the parking and probably the land around it. So you can just install more chargers and upgrade uh, the existing location if you want to. Yeah, I know. I know EV charging was the top topic in Europe. Was the top topic that Jose wanted to talk about. So we can jump into that then. So in Europe, they are announcing a five times, five fold increase in European fast charging ports, um, up to eighteen thousand eight hundred by twenty twenty five. We we also recently covered uh, Total in France is rolling out a lot of charging charging stations at its gas stations, petrol stations. And interestingly, you know, as they, they noted that they're 
they're doing a handful at a time, but with capacity to increase that as demand is needed. So they see that as a critical thing to make sure any any facility has the ability to, to expand sort of, you know, significantly as the market grows. Um, and they intend to have those at all of their stations. So Jose, what is your, what's your, yeah, I don't know if it's a rant or an elevator pitch. I don't know what you have in mind for this topic, but um, what do you want to say about EV charging in Europe? One of the things that are needed is a lot of chargers and chargers not only concentrated in a given number of countries, but across the continent. I would like to share my screen. Okay, so this is a map of the Ionity uh, network. And this is interesting because in the central parts of Europe, it's very well uh, provided. Germany and all the, these countries around Central Europe. But if you go to the far west and far east, you will see that, for example, in the western part of Iberia, you have a bunch of superchargers being made. But these are promised already for quite a few months and we don't see them being opened. Then uh, you will go to the eastern part of Europe and Greece, Bulgaria, Romania, nothing at all. And you go to a country like Poland where it's quite a big country and you have three chargers from Ionity being uh, promised which is very little for a country like Poland. And even in countries like uh, the Nordics, like Northern Norway, Sweden, or Finland, there's nothing. I wonder in the case of Poland, they have, they have Greenway, Orlen, and uh, another petrol network, Lotos, who, are, who have been quite serious and aggressive about this. I wonder if they're planning to acquire one of them or um, int uh, integrate somehow because it, it is odd, but it's also, I know Poland also was quite advanced with getting EV fast chargers installed ahead of the market. So I'm curious about that. Same with Slovakia, of course, but a little smaller. Yeah. The thing is uh, these countries have to rely on local operators that most of them rely on 50 kilowatt chargers, which is better than nothing, but if you have a car like an Audi e-tron, I mean, you can charge at 150, but you are only charging at 50, and then you are an hour charging your car in a fast charger, which is far from ideal. Uh, another example is that uh, even without talking about uh, Ionity network, if you go to a few examples that I prepared here, you can see some big uh, problems regarding long range trips uh, with an EV. For example, if you try to go from Athens to Sofia in Bulgaria, there's this fast charger here, and then you have four, almost 500 kilometers until the next one. So even with a Hyundai Kona, which is one of the best range, uh, reasonable priced cars, you will be, <laughs> you, you will have, have to, to be very careful. Or you have to spend the night somewhere in between. <laughs> exactly. 
So this is one example, but yeah, people can say, yeah, but Greece and Bulgaria are not uh, the They're best not real countries. countries. To... No, no, they are not the best <laughs> countries as an example because they don't have a lot of EV adoption. Okay, then I will present another example. Uh, Portugal and Spain, if you want to go from Lisbon and to Madrid, you can go through here and up to the Spanish border, that's okay. You have uh, quite a few number of charters, but then after the city in the front in the, in the border called Badajoz, you have 400 kilometers up to Madrid without CCS charters because these two here are Shadamo in a Nissan dealership. This is Tesla supercharger, and so if you have the same Hyundai Kona and you want to go from Lisbon to Madrid, you need to do this out of one trip with 400 kilometers to do. So again, you have to be very careful. And this is uh, an area with mountains where in the winter you will probably have snow. So crossing mountains with snow on a Hyundai Kona with 480 kilometers, you need to be careful. And do you think this is limiting adoption significantly? Do you have uh, sort of a, is a common con concern or problem for people that they're not buying EVs because they see that they can't drive uh, to Madrid or, or north um, from Portugal, for example? Yeah, this is uh, one of the problems that, for example, the market in Portugal has because we are already at 15% market share regarding uh, EV uptake including plug-in hybrids. But if you want to go from Lisbon to Madrid with a Hyundai Kona, it's risky. So what uh, people do, either they buy a PHEV, a plug-in hybrid, or they buy a Tesla. It's no coincidence that Tesla is the best-selling EV in Portugal right now. Because you're assured that you can go anywhere with a BEV. And obviously, there's a lot of reasons to buy a Tesla, but do you think that's sort of the, the, the core, the top reason why Tesla sells as much as it does is that people know they can easily travel long distance with a Tesla? Um, yeah, okay. and uh, yeah. Uh, um, on top of that, also that the, the uptime is probably better. You, you see in your mm -hmm. car if the, if the stations yep. are working and they, they are up like 99% plus of the time. Um, I saw some example of someone who had a non-Tesla BEV and he was charging at some sort of charger and uh, the charger said error uh, and claimed that there was an error in the car and the car claimed it was an error in the charger and he was there, couldn't yeah. get the electricity. That's like a mistake that shouldn't happen when, when you are going somewhere. And uh, I guess... Tesla has an edge there. They can't really blame anyone else on, on the problems when you can't charge. So uh, I guess having a doing your own network has been very beneficial because the fact is these networks that are out there, they are not that good maintained. Yeah, it's um, funny. I mean, I, I gave a presentation about this, I think, five years ago after we did survey research on it. And this was a, a critical, this was seen as a critical a critical thing needed for someone to buy an EV was a Tesla supercharger access or something comparable. And this was like, you know, like five years ago. And um, 
obviously Ionity, Electrify America have been tremendous enhancements and improvements to the market. Um, but there is still these challenges of reliability, the network sort of connecting the dots from <laughs> that people want to drive on from like as Jose is pointing yeah. out. So what's your take from, I guess, from, from any perspective, what's your take? Are you trying to just put, put this issue in front of out there more so that there's potentially a response from these companies um, or is just an identification of a, of a factor that's limiting EV further EV sales growth, EV market share growth? I mean, Portugal is in the top, like top five or something, right? Top seven for EV market share. Yeah, because... Um, it's not just enough for uh, legacy OEMs to make interesting BVs. They need to look at the infrastructure parts. And that's a positive thing I take from uh, the Volkswagen Power Day is that they look at the both sides. So they saw an integrated view of EVs. It's not only making the car, it's also the battery and it's also the infrastructure. So I wish the others Stellantis and Daimler and BMW and all the others, GM, Ford, also look at this from, in, from an integrated point of view. So it's EV, battery, and also infrastructure. But, but so I, think, of... I think they are. They are backing Electrify America, the other OEM as well, like Ford. And um, Ionity is um, so, several, several automakers yeah. are... I, I think uh, yeah. uh, Volkswagen took a little bit too much cred for those networks because I think it's not only <laughs> Volkswagen behind those networks. It's Those are external organizations, but I mean, they, they are obviously helping Volkswagen with... Uh, yeah, there was there was some funny wording that I, that I skipped uh, when covering it today. It was um, They said something like Volkswagen and partners will have 18,800... Uh, charging port, ports in in Europe, and I was like, "Well, it's a little bit confusing if you're not aware. It's not like Volkswagen Chargers. It's it's like it's partners Chargers. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, they're selling <laughs> selling what they're doing. Um, so, what do you see as far as? I mean, a lot of EV charging, EV fast charging growth has occurred in the past few years. What do you see as far as the next? three to five to 10 years as far as EV charging network expanding and how that relates to EV market share, EV sales in Europe? So, so yeah, uh, we're, we're obviously from different parts of Europe, me and Jose, and Jose has these uh, issues with long distance traveling between yeah, the Yeah, and I almost know, um, sorry, just briefly, I almost know at the beginning that he cut Sweden off of that map at the beginning. Yeah. And I was wondering if you guys were having some kind of problems with each other. No, or no, just... Sweden is well, sorry. <laughs> no, Sweden is just too far north. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry no, to interrupt. No. Yeah, but uh, Sweden is pretty well served as a market with charging infrastructure. But the, the problem is that I think in, in order to get the, the fully covering EV adoption, because the, the whole point of it is that EVs should be more sold the, the gasoline vehicles in order for the the fleet of EVs to grow faster than the fleet of gasoline vehicles or uh, petrol or yeah internal combustion engine. So you need over that fifty percent share. And um, I, I guess what is missing a little bit in Europe is uh, fast charging stations inside the cities because most of the trips are 
done within the same city. They are not done between cities. Most of the trips are just from point A to point B within the same city. And in Europe, most people do not have a private parking spot. They, they park on the street. So they would be completely dependent on having some sort of charging option inside the city. They, if, if they want to charge the car, well, they can do it overnight at some places, but most people want to do it fast. So they would go somewhere. And uh, you obviously don't want to take a day trip to go outside from the city to charge your car. Um, yeah, this, so, is a, this is a big thing. I mean, I, uh, you know, living in and, Florida for the past, go, go ahead. Yeah, and continuing on that, like if we are to have in the future, say, um, robo taxis, um, electric robo taxis everywhere in the big cities, uh, you need to have that infrastructure inside the city. Like the cars shouldn't go outside, uh, go, uh, shouldn't go out from the city to charge. They should charge ideally at some sort of uh, big location in in each city um, where i don't know either you have a robotic connector to the car or you have an employee that goes there and plugs in all the robot taxis but that's probably uh, on on a, a few years into into the future of course but i guess it does seem does seem to be a neglected aspect i mean i've been living in florida for the past few years without home charging uh, and that's atypical because most people here just have a home a garage home charger uh, and before COVID times, it was very easy to just, well, with my lifestyle, with our lifestyle to, to plug in at, uh, slow chargers at a grocery store, a, a coffee shop, mall, park, and, uh, get enough charge that way. Once COVID hit, um, and there was less ability to go inside and hang out places, um, that time was much more limited and we've relied a lot more on Tesla supercharging. Uh, which, of course, if we didn't have a Tesla, we would have a different situation where we would, you know, have to do more sitting at a slow charger. Uh, Jose's also got that experience a, a bit uh, before recently getting a house and um, the convenience of, of home charging all the time. But that's a big issue in Europe, obviously, with a lot of, like you said, do you see an in inadequate focus from automakers and charging companies on solving that? Or is it something that's coming, but slowly? Is it, um, is it a big gap in the, in the story right now? I, I think something that was very interesting that I noted um, on the presentation from Volvo, I think it was when they were showing the, the XC40 BEV or the recharge uh, edition, they had uh, chargers connected on light poles so the street lamps, and um, as you're replacing all these uh, light bulbs up there with, with LED lights now, um, you kind of have electricity everywhere um, along the streets and sidewalks in Europe, in the cities. Um, so if you could come up with some sort of innovative solution where you have a charge box on these uh, street lights, that would be a very That's good solution. And I, you, I do think- you Eupatristi, we visited Eupatristi in Berlin like six, five or six years ago, I think. And that's specifically what they do. And actually you, you, you take the smart charging plug around with you instead of it being in the station so that you can just plug into this and it meters you for what you should be charged. Uh, and I know they've expanded in the UK and gotten some progress there. 
Uh, I was a lot of people were quite skeptical of this idea, but as you said, you know, when you get down to it in Europe, you need this kind of solution to deal with the fact that people don't have garages for their cars. Uh, a lot of a lot of people. So, yeah. Do you, do you see? I, I mean, seems like this is a good potential. Jose, do you have any insight on on these topics? Uh, yeah, talking about my three year experience uh, living in an apartment without a garage. I had to resort to the existing charging infrastructure in the neighborhood. And basically it consisted, in, it consisted of one fast charger at the supermarket. And we got, uh, basically we, we started to buy stuff in that supermarket because they have a, a fast charger. And I think that is an important uh, plus for many retail networks if you add a fast charger there, it's an assurance that you will have customers there for at least half an hour. So it could be a plus point for your business if you have a fast charger in your parking. Yeah, and I should per perhaps clarify, my slow charging here is six kilowatts. You guys have to, can, can get, you know, much higher 11 uh, at some or tw 22 kilowatts at 22? some actually yeah yeah and there's actually dc charging also in supermarkets which was this case 50 kilowatt dc charging yeah i mean i think that's pretty ideal like a 50 kilowatt i i think is pretty ideal because it gives you enough time to get what you need without having to rush out and unplug and uh and also you know i mean higher power means potentially higher better degradation so I, I'm, I'm more attracted to a 50 kilowatt charger if it's available than a 200 kilowatt charger uh, for you know shopping at the grocery store and, and that kind of thing. Um, well, let's jump to, unless you have more on charging, uh, I mean, it sounds like it's no. an issue that basically as it gets better, it should enable more EV market share. But let's get to the topic of EV market share and EV sales, because this to me was the story of the year last year, aside from a little, you know, virus that was sort of disruptive <laughs> uh but, but uh you know not to make light of it, it it was horrible obviously what happened but you know the the positive story was the ev market share growth in europe which was tremendous uh i have a couple of questions first of all did it surprise you was it higher than you expected uh and where do you uh, where do you think where do you think it goes in the next couple of years and then i have more on that but let's start with those two yeah so um yeah we didn't expect the share to be that high if we were looking back in 2018 and 19 we obviously didn't predict a virus to come uh, but we did kind of expect volume in the same level but what happened was uh, also um on top of, if we look at the global market, we at least expected the volume to be roughly at what it was in 2020, but the share um, got a lot higher than what we expected because of the uh, internal combustion engine vehicles taking a very bad hit um, during the pandemic um, because of the lockdowns. And um, the EVs, they didn't, uh, well, they, they weren't hurt at all uh, because of it. And uh, at the same time, it was carried up by Europe. We didn't expect Europe to be as important as it was, um, mainly because of the, uh, the policy changes in Europe and the ambitious targets and 
Um, a lot of automakers wanted to avoid the fines in in 2020. And I mean, we're going to see about the same volume and a little bit more in 2021. That's our expectation. Um, we expect the, the market to say, uh, depending on how you count and what you include in the calculations, if you include light commercial vehicles, but if you look at passenger cars only, um, Europe had 11-ish uh, percent if you exclude uh, Turkey and Russia as well. It was around 11% or 11.4 in Europe for passenger vehicles. Um, we obviously think that the share is going to remain close to that um, going forward, maybe reach um, 12 to 13%. Uh, because we also expect that the internal combustion engines will will pick up in sales again um, because of all the the car purchases that weren't done in 2020 so they will right. recover a little bit in 2021 so, so the the ev market share growth will be muted a little bit by the reverse of what happened in 2020. jose yeah. anything to add yeah, uh, the most unexpected factor that happened throughout 2020 wasn't the volume of EVs. It was the fall of internal combustion engine sales, which inflated the market share of EVs. And also, I would say it anticipated the disruption in the market for a couple of years. So I was expecting disruption to happen around late 2021 or 2022, but what this meant was that disruption started already in 2020, the second half. So from now on, sure, uh, internal combustion engine sales will recover a little bit, but we are we have at the point where 10% share in Europe, it's probably something that it won't go back anymore to lower levels. It will 10% plus always from now on. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's for sure. It will be, it will stay above 10%. But I think in crisis times, you can normally see that the, the small uh, economy segments of cars are the worst hit. If you, I, I think I saw news from BMW that their, their M brand, which is their really luxurious sport editions of each car, they made sales records in, in 2020. Um, whereas the... The, the general cars go down a little bit. So I, I think the, the economy segments are worst hit uh, in the crisis times. Um, the electric vehicles are not vehicles in those segments today or not generally. Um, so they were not that, as bad hit because of that. And there was also a shortage of uh, or built up demand for EVs. A lot of people were waiting um, on the in the reservation list for a lot of vehicles and uh, essentially they, they wanted to pick them up and the, the deal was already done kind of yeah it was a strange combo of events there where yeah there was yeah, yeah they were ordered pre-pandemic and delivered during pandemic uh, yeah well we hope to come back to this when you have a, another report coming out um, I have to jump off and get my daughter to tennis camp so uh, thank you very much we chat soon yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Enjoy your Bye. big EV market share there and your congestive charging stations.
<laughs> it's better than fewer EVs and empty charging stations. All right. Thanks a lot. Agree. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.